We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You knew it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is bad territory! You know it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is bad territory! You know it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is bad territory! How good you guys! And welcome to another episode of the Bearcast. Uh, we are here in a very unfamiliar territory. Yes. Um, this is get a little closer. Here. Yeah, this is uh, it's very weird uh, not being in Emeryville. Yeah. Um, so uh, we have a very special guest with us. Uh, he invited us over here to San Francisco today, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Steve Croner of the San Francisco Chronicle. Hello. You don't Hello. have to call me Mr., but Mr. Uh, <laughs> Steve is fine, but I yeah. appreciate it. Fun, yeah. doing the, fun doing the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, We're this, very glad to have you. This is uh, this, this happened quite abruptly. Yeah. Uh, it's just Twitter, Twitter is does wonders. Yes. Um, Rob throws out the fishing net. <laughs> I caught a big one this yeah. week. Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't know if I would say big one, but uh, you caught something. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a cold, but other than that, it's fine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, you were a Cal grad as well. You graduated I, in... 1981, yes, I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> uh, I did three years of uh, working with the baseball team when I was a student. Our junior year, we got to the College World Series. I did... PA and radio and stats, and I uh, got out of Cal and worked at KPIX as a sports producer and reporter for about 16 and a half years. Wow. Left it, left there in 1998 and started here at the Chronicle in late 1998, and I've been here since then. Wow. God, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you co- what, do you, what do you cover for the San Francisco Chronicle now? Uh, my main beats, I haven't been covering as much as I'd like lately, to be uh-huh. honest, but uh, my main beats are WCC basketball, uh, St. Mary's, Santa Clara, USF, and up until this season, I did a lot of Giants and A's fill-in. I mm-hmm. do other stuff on occasion. I'll cover a Cal game now and then. I'll do some college baseball, some college football, some golf, but the Giants, A's backup, and uh, WCC basketball, those are my main uh, coverage beats, and I work as a copy editor anywhere from three to five nights a week. Oh. All right. So we will be talking baseball later. Yes. Most definitely. And okay. some WWC basketball. So, okay, very good. Uh, let's get started. Um, this, is a, this is a pretty big week of just a lot of news. Uh, for starters, we have a, it's draft week. Um, so with the Rams picking one, with the Phillies, uh, with, not the, the Phillies. The Phillies? Not the Phillies. I, I know they're bad, but... <laughs> Jared has some baseball <laughs> background, so yeah, it's possible. Dad, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. uh, with the Eagles picking second. Um, and... 
I don't know. I, the consensus seems to be that Goff is going to be a Ram come Thursday night. Uh, but would, could there be a surprise? Do you guys uh, have any takes on I this? I kind of doubt it. They have the... Uh, I know this isn't the greatest indicator of everything, but the Vegas betting line for the draft, he's a uh, one... Jared is 1 to 15, which means if you... Uh, if you bet fifteen dollars on it, you win one. So I'm not betting. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm not betting. But it certainly appears that that would be the case. That yeah. Jared would go to the Rams, and yeah. um, more power to Jared, more power to the Rams. Yeah, you, I guess they took the advice of Kurt Warner, who said, "You pick this kid because he is the most draft ready quarterback on day one." Yeah, I mean, if if your Hall of Fame quarterback said that to you, then why would you go any other route, right? Yeah. Uh, so. Is he in the Hall of Fame? He should be. That's a good question. I'm not sure if he's if Kurt Warner is or not. But uh, he is a future, at least in not. my book. <laughs> yeah. He definitely. Um, so, I mean, the greatest show on turf. If that quarterback says that to your franchise, I think you take him regardless. Yeah. So, another question I have for this. Uh, two questions. So, for you guys, would if if Goff were able to choose between the current Philadelphia situation and the current Ram situation, what would be the better fit for him? What would be a spot to put him in success straight out of the gate. Granted, we're all under the assumption he's going to be great regardless. But um, in terms of, yeah. I mean, that, that's really hard to say. I mean, I, I'm not going to make myself as an expert to know exactly what the Eagles' depth chart is yeah, exactly. and you know, what their defense is compared to the Rams. The Rams have had a pretty good defense. Uh-huh. That yeah. obviously should help Jared. But, you know, rookie quarterbacks, no matter how good they are, usually don't succeed right away. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a reason why teams are drafting first and second, unless they've made big moves up. <laughs> yes, exactly. Usually they're not that good. So it's, it's not like I don't think Jared's going to throw for, you know, 35 or 40 touchdown passes next season. He could, but, it, but it would, that would be a surprise. Yeah. Most guys, you know, they kind of take their lumps as a rookie. Then the second and third year, particularly if they've played, a lot of guys, obviously, too, who get drafted high as quarterbacks don't play their first year or they play very little. Um, you would assume if the Rams are going to make this big a splash with Jared that he would start. But, you know, to say that the Rams fit is better than the Eagles fit, I, I couldn't tell you that. I think there was a, there's something I read the other day, a stat about the last five guys who uh, teams traded into the top five for, only four of them. Or only one of them played every game last year, and that um, which one was that? Sammy Watkins with Buffalo. The rest were Deion Jordan, Trent Richardson, RG three, and uh, Justin Blackman. Ugh. So it's not a great track record, but I think that the two guys that they're looking at are a bit different, and that they're they're more so. I don't want to say proven, but just. They seem more surefire than a lot of those guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which, yeah. That is a, an opinion. I am probably totally wrong. But, <laughs> and as far as better fits go, I think we've got to look at just – I again, I don't know much about Philadelphia either. I know a little more about the Rams just because they play West Coast teams and we see more of their games around here. And they have a great defense. They have a great defensive line in general. They have a great running back in Gurley. And he's completely healthy this year. He missed the first couple of games last year. And they'll have another full season of him. What they need more is offensive weapons, which the Eagles, they have a few more of those. But I think the situation in L.A. will be better for him. Mm -hmm. 
All right. So on that on that note, then we we move on. Another question I have for you guys is, when Luck was taken number one overall a few years back, the Colts took Kobe Fleener, a Stanford tight end, later on in the draft. I think it was more of a let's get some guy that he's used to and someone around him just. I mean, maybe it just fell that way. Maybe he was just high up in the draft. Yeah, I don't know that that – I don't think teams necessarily go to pick guys to, to pick their friends. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, think they're, I think they're picking the best player available. Kobe yeah. Fleener's a pretty good tight end. Oh, yeah, he is. They do that more in undrafted free agency where they got, uh, I believe, Griff Whalen or Ryan Whalen, one Whalen. of the two. yeah, yeah. They got the other, right. the other Stanford kid. So let's just – That's if partially because they had Pep Hamilton as their offensive coordinator. That is true as well. Um but if we were to build off that, if you're a GM, is there any wide receiver you might take just to pair with Goff with that team? Well, I think, I mean, the first Cal wide receiver you'd want, from my opinion, would be Kenny Lawler. Um, now, if Kenny Lawler's available whatever round you believe he's going to go, um, the fact that Jared played with him would be a plus. But I don't think if you thought another receiver was better yeah. that you would take Kenny just because he played with Jared. Exactly. I, think, I think if they're even, that might move Kenny up a spot. But I don't think that that enters into a GM's decision, uh, again, unless they're just about equal. Yeah. yeah, the only issue is that both these teams traded away a lot of uh, those second and third round right. picks where you'd, point. Get, yeah. where you'd get Kenny Lawler. Yeah, the Rams aren't picking until I think 110th overall, yeah, so uh, they fourth can, round. They can so. maybe get a Trevor Davis or a Steven Anderson or a Treggs. One of those three guys would be good for them because they need playmakers outside of Tavon Austin. But uh, me, Anderson, more so because he can be just a solid, hey, throw it in the middle of the field to this guy, and he'll get seven or eight yards each time. Yeah. But I mean, we'll see. Yeah, we'll definitely see on uh, Thursday. Thursday, I believe, day one. Thursday, Friday, Thursday, Friday, Friday and Saturday. Yeah. yeah. So round one round a, one is only on Thursday. It's an extravaganza. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, three days of watching TV and clocks. Watching people put on running. hats. <laughs> Yeah, and a lot of pictures being taken on stage. It shows you what the how, how the NFL has a grip on uh, the United States because, in a lot of ways, it's not real good television. Let's be honest; it's yeah. just seeing guys walking up to a stage. But and being it, named, w- it, it, it I mean, will named. be it will get particularly Thursday night. It will get very good ratings in comparison to, to say things they, that are actually happening: baseball games or NBA NBA playoff games. Things where something's actually happening. Yeah. The draft will still get a really There's good rating in comparison. There's someone that wants to watch these things. Like, they have the, on the NFL Network, they have the uh, schedule show where they announce the schedules and stuff like that. And people still watch that. Yeah. It's, yes, it's, it's almost like, I mean, you, I'm dating myself again, but the, an old Steve Martin movie where he comes out saying, the phone books are here, the phone books are here. <laughs> I mean, the schedule show, not only is just in and of itself seemingly not all that interesting, but to me, it, it would be a little bit interesting if... You know, you that that was the day you knew the other teams you were going to play. That okay, you knew that you knew your division teams, but the ten other games you didn't know. Well, there would be a little bit of interest or suspense, of course. But they're not. But you know the sixteen yeah. games anyway. It's just just which order they're going to be. Yeah. And yet people watch that too. Because yeah. you know you have the two um, other conferences that you play. Yeah, the other divisions that NFC, you play. NFC, AFC. Yeah. You know, you know that at the end of the at the end of the previous season, you know yeah. the sixteen games yeah. you're going to play. You just don't know. You just don't know the order of the games yeah. you're going to play them. And that's the schedule. I mean, to think people would be watching that instead of listening to this podcast to me is ridiculous, <laughs> right? Anyway. Hopefully. Hopefully. I can't say <laughs> well, to that. Hopefully. Maybe, maybe they put the podcast on equal playing field as, as some of those TV shows. Okay. Um, we but, can dream. Yeah. I mean, this, this week, I mean, definitely as a Cal fan, it's been a, it's, uh, it's been a while since we had a high-profile guy go. 
um, this high. I think that's why a lot of people will be watching. I'm sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure Pappy's, um, you know, on Telegraph is going to be just. It's there's going to be a lot of people yeah. there sure. watching just to see Not Jared. Since Aaron Rodgers has a guy been like thought of to go this high. I think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Marshawn went 13th in 2000. Uh, seven. Yeah, I mean, we all thought Keenan would be higher, but he was a second round pick too. So that that took a little bit of was steam. Was he a third rounder actually? Or? Oh, he was a third rounder because yeah. Teo was Teo was, was the second, second the round pick for the Chargers. Um, so this is the first time in a while that we're going to see a lot of names from guys we've been seeing for two three years uh, get called. So it's I think just getting that build up back up with exactly all the talent that we've had exactly. Um, so some dark years there. <laughs> yeah, but it will be fun regardless. I think I know a lot of people that are leaving work early on Thursday just to get home, just to see just to see Jared's name be called and then him walk up well, on stage. I mean, stage and, uh, all kidding aside, that is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, particularly if, if you guys happen to know Jared, I mean, I've, I've met him once, I can't say I know him at all, but, <laughs> but I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of your friends who know him, just to see that as the, the first pick in the draft, or perhaps even the second, second pick in yeah. the draft, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no other way around it. Admittedly, yeah. it's strange to see a kid from Marin go in the First round. Oh. Hating on Marin right now. <laughs> I'm from there. <laughs> he's hating on him because he's from there. He's a yeah. okay. He's a like, he, he went to Marin Catholic, which is the rival in my high school, Redwood over there. So I kind of was half rooting for Klein in the beginning because <laughs> wow. of that. But one, I was working as a video guy at Cal during that uh, spring camp when they made that decision, and Jared made every single throw, and I thought there's no way you can really pick against this guy, I guess. So obviously not. He made it clear and he's going to hopefully stand blue and gold. So you would think, yeah, Yeah, let's hope for that. Um, and then let's move on to some other Cal football news. Uh, Hardy Nickerson, um, our captain on the defensive side, our, our leading tackler is transferring to Illinois to play for his dad. Yeah. Just regular Illinois. You put like Urbana champagne. I did. I did. I did. I, it was, yeah, I applied there for college. I think that's why I just, Ah. I just automatically put in UIC. Uh, but yeah, he's playing for his dad. Uh, his dad is the new defensive coordinator under new head coach, Lovey Smith. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to look at this. <laughs> it's a grad transfer, so he's not sitting out a year. He has one year of eligibility left. He's playing for his dad. I love it. I love that he's going to play for his dad. It's it's a family choice. He's and he. It's not like he's leaving Cal, not finishing his degree. He totally finished it. He's on his way on. Um, but granted, there are some people uh, on social media that are very upset with this with this transfer, which I'm. I'm I, I can't understand why. First of all, I'd say don't worry about people being upset on social media. Really, yeah. I mean that's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I know uh, I don't know Hardy at all. I know his dad a little bit. We both on the have been on the Hall of Fame selection committee, and Hardy Senior is a great guy. Was a great player. There, to me, there's absolutely nothing wrong with this at all. This is a, this is a tribute to Cal that that Cal got the Nickerson family to play there, and it's a tribute to the Nickerson family. I mean, if if my son or when my dad was alive, you know, was good enough to play college football or college basketball or whatever, and I was at another school, and he wanted to play my, his last year for me, I think that'd be great. I don't think that there's, there's nothing wrong with it. Obviously, I mean, it hurts the Cal defense a yeah. little bit. There's no way around that. But there's, there's going to be no spite, no enmity at all about this. This is a, this is a nice family story, and more power to, to both Hardys. Yeah, getting to play with your dad, that's a, that's a big deal, like... 
I know they had a couple features last year when uh, Richard Rodgers played against his dad, uh, Green Bay versus Carolina. <laughs> right. But getting to play for so your dad, I mean, you did. I believe he did that in high school. He did. Uh, his Bishop dad was O'Dowd. the Bishop O'Dowd Right, coach. but, but to, to have his last compare. year. Yeah, no, I mean, to, to play major college football and your dad's the – the defensive coordinator, and he's playing for a guy named Lovey Smith, who's obviously got great credentials. This is this is something about which any Cal fan who's who's got any kind of sense of himself empathy. or herself <laughs> or, or empathy would say this is great. I mean, you miss Hardy next year; it's on the field, but there's there's nothing to dispute about this at all. This is just a, a nice family story. Yeah, I mean, his dad gave it his all when he was at Cal. Absolutely, he gave it his all when he was here. Basically, his entire family went to Cal as well. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know exactly who went to Cal, but I'm <laughs> if I if I remember correctly, a lot of his family went to Cal. Yeah. So he's, I mean, he's gonna get a graduate degree too. Yeah. So, yeah. And Illinois is no slouch in the academics department. Definitely not. Think, so. So yeah, I mean, this is this is all in all a great thing. Granted, our linebacking core, which was already thin, becomes even more thin, and that's something that we have to address uh, later. Um, but. I mean, I, I'm all for it. I mean, this is this feels a lot different than the Bread and Scarlet one from last year. This this feels well, first of all, all, he's not going to Stanford. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, I hope we put the kibosh on that. Yeah, um, but this is this is different from that one, and I you know I wish him all the best, and I just hope he succeeds uh, under his dad and his. I think I'd, he'll be fine. He'll yeah, be fine. In a little I mean, bit. now so you think about it. So January first, when it's Illinois and Cal and Rose Bowl, that'll be a great story, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a great story. <laughs> Beat him by fifty. <laughs> There you go. And then, anyway. And then the people that said he shouldn't have left go, ha see, you shouldn't have left. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, life does go on. And it goes on to recruiting. Uh, another Demetrius Robertson update, Trace. Do, uh, what do we have? He's actually announcing May 1st at the uh, College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. Yeah, I don't know how he got that venue, yeah. but that's, that's impressive. The sources are saying we have a pretty good shot. Yeah. So we'll I see. Ho- I hope we do. This is, this will be very fun. It'll be just the last five star of the 2016 class. So to enlighten your audience, and I hate to admit me, um, what position does young Mr. Robertson play? He's gonna be a receiver, kick returner type, just all around athlete. Uh, I don't know how much of the spring game you saw, but the role that they have uh, Melky Stovall in, right? It'll be very similar to that. They're similar players, just just fast builds a guys who can make things happen. Oh. So. You can't you can't ever have enough of those guys. So yeah. somewhere between Deshaun Jackson and Reggie Bush. So yeah. if he's that, that good, <laughs> he's yeah. in that mold of All right. athletic. All right. So That's yeah, a, I mean, don't put too much pressure on him. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Trace and I has it. Yeah, Trace and I have been talking about him for a couple of weeks, and basically, he's one of those guys that he's being recruited. Or if you look at the rivals or scout, he's an athlete. So right. okay. he's one of those guys where if he does decide to come to us, you say, "Hey, where do you want to play? <laughs> we don't. We, we won't tell you where to play." As long as uh, it's not defensive line or offensive line, you can play anywhere you want. Yeah, it's looking like it's coming down to us, Notre Dame, and Georgia. So, yeah. we'll oh, see. It's a former can... Alabama commit for those who yeah who have been haven't been watching. So, uh, and lastly, uh, we have some. It, this isn't just football news, and I think this is a good segue into basketball as well. But we have a new ten-year athletic apparel deal. Uh, we're moving on from. The Stanford alum slash duck supporting Nike uh, to Under Armour, all the way in Baltimore, Maryland. 
This is a 10-year deal. Uh, um, Just quoting from the ESPN article here, it says, sources say the deal is worth almost $86 million in cash and product. It includes a $3 million signing bonus, $3.5 million in cash per year, and an average annual product allowance of 4.76. If you look at what what it was before, I believe uh, I saw the tweet by Darren Roval, who actually wrote this article. He said, uh, the allowance in product was $2 million with Nike, and it jumps to 4.6. Our annual cash was around 150k, and now jumps up to 3.5. Yeah, that's money is good <laughs> when it comes to paying off all the stuff that we have debt for, which is the stadium and all the things therein. So it's gonna help. Yeah, I mean, who knows exactly what's you know bottom bottom line? But if you just look at those numbers, that can't be anything but good for the athletic department. Yeah. Um, and if you look at Under Armour too, just if you look in the Bay Area and two guys who Big are with man. Under Armour happen to be Stephen Curry and Buster Posey, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yep. So if you want to align yourself with probably the two most popular athletes in the Bay Area, yep. fair to say? Easy. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Curry number one and Posey number Posey two. two. Yeah, I'd this say deal that. is, uh, actually I looked up similar deals Under Armour has. I think we're the second highest that they have for college, just behind Notre Dame. I had seen all I'd, I'd seen somewhere that it was it was a top ten. Whether yeah. it's a top ten deal for for Cal and yeah. hey, but you know, it's just considering. I mean, for beyond beyond even the stadium, which obviously is hard to overlook the stadium debt. But all athletic department, or I shouldn't say all, but most athletic departments in the country are hurting in a lot of ways. Yeah. So whatever money you can make, as long as it's you know above board, go ahead and do it. Yeah, yeah. And they'll get product that'll help the whole campus. It's a whole campus partnership. I understand with this. that, right? Yeah, I mean, this is incredible. If you if you look at these, are you, you guys have to change your apparel? From uh, so much what you're wearing now? Um, yeah, yeah, we might. We'll um, get some new stuff. I will. I will switch over as soon as we switch over, yeah. which I believe is July of 2017. Yeah. That is, yeah, and, and that is, and as an old guy, the the only thing I'll say, and looking at your your uh, jacket. You don't mess with the script cow. You don't. No. You know. Anything else, do what you want. You, you can add it. more things. You just don't take this away. There yeah, because we own. Uh, I say we as in Cal owns that. You so. don't. <laughs> I own a little bit of it. I have a little <laughs> bit of Nike stock, but that's right. a whole different story. There you go. Um, this this Sell deal. It for Under Armour stock. This deal actually is really cool. Um, I mean, first off, I was just oh, Under Armour e like you know just in terms of just the marketing and the brand of it compared to Nike and the basketball team having Jordan and all. But, I mean, you look at some of the things here. It says, uh, and I quote, this deal, for example, will include outfitting the school's 34 official club sport teams in the brand. It will also guarantee that Cal's faculty and student body get a discount on Under Armour's connected fitness bundle, the UA Health Box, which is basically like their version of the Nike Plus band or the the Fitbit Fitbit bands that Under Armour makes. Um, and make Cal home the home of Under Armour's entrepreneurial contest, The Future Show. Well, it's good to, from what I've, from what I understand, this makes us kind of their West Coast arm in the same way that Maryland's their East Coast, Auburn's their Southern. And then Notre Dame is their. Notre Dame's up in the North. Yeah, their mid, the Midwest. Midwest. So you guys were geography majors. Uh, we were actually <laughs> both environmental economics majors. Okay, it's close. So. Close, very close. I know how to I know how to plant and grow broccoli. Very so good. It's my one thing. Yeah, I mean, so I think this this is great. Uh, you you market just in the Bay Area alone, as as you were talking about. You market Steph Curry with Buster Posey with Cal as the the college. I mean, 
just the sheer amount of marketing and money and that people are going to spend on these products. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of myself alone. And if, you know, there's a, a pair of Curry's like Curry basketball shoes that come out with the Cal insignia on it or in Cal colors. I mean, I'm, I'm the first one in line. Yeah. They're going to be perfect in the blue and gold there. Exactly. So the colors are basically the same. Anyway, yeah. So. yeah. There you go. Yeah, they are. And yeah. there's golden in each. Yeah. Yep. Uh, this Until is... they moved to San Francisco. <laughs> still be oh, that's a good point. They might be the San Francisco Warriors. Yeah. That, that still hasn't been determined. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so ultimately, this is a great deal for the school. This uh, alleviates some of the, the debt that we've accrued. Probably don't get that in your uh, no, Emeryville studio. No, we don't. We don't. <laughs> we definitely don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a great deal. I, I like it. Um, the... They had some pictures and some mock-ups of the uniforms, and it was, it was half-half. Those some people were great. saying, yeah. "Yeah." Some people were saying it was just a mock-up of they just wanted to put a standard blue with an Under Armour sign and a Cal insignia on it, just to show it off during the press conference. Some were saying that, "Hey, that's that's not a bad look if we actually go with that classic blue top, gold bottom, uh, with the blue helmets look." I mean, here's here's a question I'll have for you guys, being that you're in a different generation than mine. Do you think that? whether it's Under Armour or Nike or Adidas or whatever, that that has any effect on what happens on the court, on the field. In other words, I mean, it's nice talking about the money, but yeah. do, do recruit, does it make a difference to recruit? Does it make a difference to the players when they're, when they're you know, in the locker room, when they're on the field? To me, it shouldn't. Yeah. No, it should. but, no, it shouldn't. But does it at all? Uh, I have two things. I'll say two things. Go for yeah. it. I really don't know. The first, the first thing I'll I'll say is um, it it shouldn't, but it will. It definitely will. Okay. I think kids, you know, at that age in high school, you're you're getting free stuff of that brand, right? Regardless. So you know, a basketball kid, you know, Jordan having a Jordan brand thing, I think it definitely catches your eye. Granted, there's all there was also only five. Uh, collegiate athletic departments that were sponsored by Jordan, and we were one of them. So that was just a little little nice perk we had. Sure. Uh, but then you look at the flip side, and this is what Nam said on Twitter: If he wasn't, if if Under Armour is the reason he's turning off from Cal, he wasn't coming here to begin with. Absolutely. And yeah. I'm yeah. I'm I think that that just hits it on the dot. I mean, if that was the reason you were determining whether you were coming to Cal or some other school, whether it was the Nike we had or the Jordan we had versus the Adidas at UCLA or the, the, the Nike at Stanford or Oregon, you weren't coming to us anyways. And absolutely, too. Let's, let's get a plug-in for Nam. He's rarely wrong about anything, isn't he? <laughs> That's, no. We direct all our complaints to Nam. Very so, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah but when you have the most, maybe the most popular basketball player on earth at the moment in Under Armour shoes and you're – working with them to create your own like Cal brand of Under Armour shoes, then you're going to get some kids because of that. You're, okay. I think it's going to help in that department. Yeah. I mean, just, just two things off from that is um, Ryan Gorsey just put up an article where he was interviewing uh, Ira Lee, who is a four-star power forward uh, in yeah, the 2017 he's, he's recruiting class. Napa right now, yeah. He's playing, he plays prolific for prep. prolific prep up in Napa. And uh, he asked him about, you know, the Under Armour switch. And he said, I, he, I really think it's great. He likes the Curry shoes. He thinks they're comfortable, thinks it's a great brand switch. So, I mean, so if kids are looking at it, it, the Curry thing definitely helps. I think that's the end all. It's, yeah. The Curry and Buster Posey look definitely helps. We're uh, very lucky to have them. Now, if you here. can get a baseball player to be a catcher as good as, good as Buster Posey and a yeah. basketball player to be a, 
guard like Stephen Curry. Yeah. Then you're then you're really set. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I said they need someone on the Niners or the Raiders just to rock them. That's true. Yeah, we would need one football player in the Bay Area. Like, I think that would do it. May take Khalil Mack and see if you can get him to do something. There you go. All right, uh, that wraps it up for all the the slight football talk. Yeah. Um, on to some basketball. Yeah. Uh, we have this transfer market deal is just yeah, it's we've relentless. Been to everyone. It's relentless. <laughs> right, and and I think a lot of the time you got to take those with not not just a grain of salt. I would take it with like hundreds of grains <laughs> of salt. It's, it's the Tinder of the basketball world. It's just <laughs> we are swiping right on everything. And believe and believe it or not, I think I know what Tinder is. <laughs> as old as I am, I think I know what Tinder is. So I, I appreciate that comparison. But yeah, I mean, look. It, it is one of the, I think, the sad parts of college basketball these days is that so many players transfer, mm-hmm. whether they be graduate transfers or not. And I think the graduate transfer rule was intended as a good rule, and I think people, not, not necessarily one person or another, but I think over time people have taken advantage of it, yeah. that, it, that, it's, it that it's not meant. I think, for example, the Hardy Nickerson graduate transfer thing, that's a perfect example of it working well. But just for some guys to continue their careers at a different place in a school that needs a quarterback, say, or something. I don't think that that was the, that was the intention of the graduate transfer rule. But, but college basketball, obviously much more than college football, is inundated with transfers. I believe it's, it, it's an unbelievably high amount of kids who transfer as basketball players. It, I don't want to be – and I'm not exact on this. It's somewhere between 20 and 40%, I believe, guys who start at four-year schools – don't end up finishing at, at, at school, um, and it's so. All these rumors, I would say, you know, occasionally they're correct. Occasionally they'll come to fruition, yeah. but a lot of them yeah. are not. Are we only not. have one scholarship open, so and, yeah, and that's, one of them has to be right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the biggest news uh, that came out this week was the Martin Twins of North Carolina State. They're visiting this weekend, and that yeah. was actually. I think it was uh, Jeff Goodman on ESPN who said that they were visiting Cal this week. So, but we have one open. So we have twins visiting, but we have one scholarship open. So math-wise, I'm pretty sure two Again, doesn't equal one. Unless we're sending Brandon Chaka <laughs> to negotiate with the Romulans, I don't think we're going to get anything done. Um, so on that note, I mean, since you cover uh, WCC basketball, we haven't. We know some of the other guys just through their stats. You know, the guys like uh, Grant Bailey, uh, Grant. Grant Grant Mullins of Columbia and uh, Canyon Berry, uh, the son of Brent Berry, of course. Rick Berry. Uh, Rick Berry, sorry. (laughs) Brent Brent Berry. There's too many berries. Yes. There's way too many berries. Well, they all can play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we wanted to ask you about uh, Devin Watson um, and just what your take on him and what he brings as a basketball player. Right. I've seen Devin the past two years at USF. Um, and again, I, I have seen that Cal is one of the possibilities for Devin, <laughs> yep. and I, you know, I, I don't want to say anything more that I, I have no inside info about where he's going to go. I can tell you, I have watched him play the past two years. The, the pluses for Devin, he's really quick, he's a very good ball handler, and he's a better than average shooter. He's not a great shooter, but he's a better than average shooter. But probably the two negatives I would say with Devin, one, he's not real big. Um, so he might, if he goes from the WCC to the Pac-12, he might have a little trouble guarding people because he's going to be uh, outsized at times. And this might be a function of just the team that at USF this past season. He probably dribbled the ball more than you would want your point guard to do. But, but, but the flip side of that would be, I mean, if it weren't for Devin 
and uh, Tim Dirksen, there really weren't that many other scoring opportunities in, in USF's lineup most of the time. So he, a lot of times he had to be not only – he had to be a, not a pass-first point guard, put it that way. But if he had, you know, Jabari Bird with him and Ivan Rabb and Jordan Matthews, you would think you'd be more inclined to be a pass-first point guy when you've got those guys as your teammates. So, again, Devin is really quick. He's a very good ball handler. Um, he could help Cal. He definitely could help Cal. And, I mean, we've seen someone like uh, Mark Tollefson, I believe, fit in at Arizona pretty well. Right. Coming off of USF, so the transfer wouldn't be too far-fetched. Oh, no, no, absolutely not. No, and, and in fact, I mean, Devin played one season with Mark, um, mm-hmm. and they, they had a pretty good thing going where Devin was pretty good on the lob pass, and Mark was pretty spectacular at times and turned those lob passes in the dunks. So, um, like I say, if it comes to pass um, – I think that would be a plus for Cal. Yeah, so we have... And we'll need to... Re- he, he would have two years eligible. Right, eligible. He, would, he would have to sit out next season. Yeah, yeah but it he would, would be, be able to very, play two years. be very helpful to come into that season having some guaranteed scoring. Exactly. Because we'll be losing Singer, Bird, yeah, that Matthews, entire upcoming class. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good point. That those, those guys that, that I mentioned, he wouldn't be passing the ball to them because he has to sit out next season. That's a good point. My He'd point. only be passing them in practice. <laughs> well, <laughs> well good, team. good enough. Yeah. Good enough. Yeah. Um, Although if, if Rab came back for another year, he could still that is true. That's, pass the ball. Uh, that's, that would be. That's another, that's another, another topic for another time. Yeah. Yes. It's a dream yeah. world. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so another big piece of news from the Cal basketball realm this past week was that Jalen Brown has declared for the NBA draft. He did that uh, last Friday uh, in front of all his uh, friends, family, the media, and uh, his professors. Well, I was there, and uh, it was it was um, I don't know how to put it. Uh, people were happy. Some people were just. Uh, you could tell some people just wanted him to stay. Um, they had that vibe. I'm, it wasn't more of just the staff and people like other people around him, but it that's the sense you got from some of the football players and basketball players that were around. You know, they were just sad to see him go. Sure, granted, of course. Um, but the I think the highlight for me was the the two highlights for me was one when he they asked him a question about being a one and done, and he said, "I'm not done." Um, he's, he said he's talking to his advisors. He's trying to figure out the quickest way to uh, come back and finish his degree. And he, on top of that, he said, I'm, I am a Golden Bear, and I will always be a Golden Bear. Um, and that was just, I think a lot of fans that were just sitting there were just kind of like, okay, yeah, this, this, kid's, this kid's more than just a basketball player. Sure. He's definitely more than that. And then the, the highlight for me was he stopped the press conference about halfway through, and he asked all his professors to stand who was there in the crowd and yeah. he made sure everyone gave them a round of applause for what they've done and rarely rarely do you see that i mean that's the first time i've ever seen that done at a press conference where it's all about you and for you to turn that around and talk about the professors i mean that's He's a different different kind of just person in general so yeah more power to him and yeah. you know i have not had the privilege of meeting a young uh-huh. man but uh, i did see what he did at the news conference, which is certainly a feather in his cap. And what I like to say just in general about, you know, whether guys should should leave early or not, I hate it when people pontificate one way or the other. It's it's the rare time in your life, a rare time in, most of the time in life, you have to choose between the lesser of two evils. Here, you get to choose between two great things. Either you're going to be a first round pick in the NBA or the NFL, or you get to come back to your university and be a 
big man on campus and get to play college basketball or college football or college baseball, whatever it might be. It's, it's the rare time when you have the opportunity to choose from something good or something better. And, you know, my thing in general, and just in general, is if you're a first-round pick in any sport, unless you're just an unbelievable student, you probably should, you probably should go as a first-round pick. It's hard to turn down that kind of money. I do say that if you're, if you're not a first-round pick and you do have some interest in school, then maybe, you know, the decision becomes a little bit, you know, one way or the other. But anyone who pontificates, hey, you should stay or hey, you should go, I think you're really making a fool of yourself. You don't know what that certain, certain person's family background is, you know, all those kind of things that go into a decision like that. It's just, hey, if, if Jalen had done what Ivan did and decided to stay, great. And if he decided to go, great too. It's, it's nice to have great yeah. options as opposed mm-hmm. to lesser of two evil options. Yeah, that's absolutely. I hadn't really thought about it that way. So that's a new way of dealing with it. But now we'll have to fill a scholarship spot with one of these many grad transfers, which should be a field day of covering for the next month and a half or so. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> But he's, we're going to miss that kind of athleticism that he brought to the court. I don't know how you guys define his legacy, what you're going to remember him for, but the main thing I'm going to remember him for is uh, against Oregon State in the closing moments of that game where he had dunked on Olaf Schaftenar, oh. which is the by far the best in-game dunk I've ever seen. That He just he kind of went up a little more as he got on top of him. I'll... Uh, Let's see, uh, Tom Chambers on Mark Jackson wow. back in the day. Wow, going back. Nice. I, Impressive. I, I'd like to pretend I'm a historian when it comes to the NBA. Kevin Johnson over Mark Eaton, bringing back to and a Cal guy. over uh, Akeem, uh, Akeem as well. Akeem, Akeem as well, oh, yes. that, that, yeah. that, was, that was a great And dunk. then everybody over Sean Bradley. Yeah. Wow. Everybody on Sean told. Bradley. Everyone, <laughs> I think he's been interviewed several times saying, everyone liked to dunk on me and I'm sick of it. Yeah, he's the poster boy of being posterized. Yeah. Yeah. He did get to play in the NBA, so yeah. he did well, <laughs> for a very long seven, time, too. Yep. 17% of people over, 17% of American men in between those ages of seven feet or taller play basketball. So. Okay, I thought you were going to go to a commercial that I didn't want to watch. <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. But that's, we don't that's do another that. story for another time. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know what his legacy is. I mean, he played. He played one year for us. Uh, the the season. I think. Let me interject that too. I oh, think yes. this this thought of. I mean, not to pick on you guys, but legacy. I think is is overdone. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he was. Jalen Brown was a good basketball player. I mean, to, to, to me, to have a legacy, Michael Jordan has a legacy. That's true. Okay, Stephen Curry is creating a legacy if he doesn't have one already. But most players in most sports. I mean, did you did you have a legacy in your uh, in your classroom? Oh no, definitely not. No, <laughs> no I, I just, I just the think the total opposite of a legacy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just think I just think the <laughs> legacy. Kind of blended in. <laughs> the, the, the whole thing of of people's legacies, I think, is is really. I don't think you. It's a moot concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think and I think legacy. Just if you look at even the definition of the word, it's not. Jalen Brown had a fine for his. his yeah. He's a. He was the Pac-12 Freshman of the Year. He struggled at the end of the season. Um, he had some great highlight dunks that would be played at uh, Haas Pavilion probably for, for, for a very long time. Seemed like a, uh, uh, a fine representative of the university. And let's go on. There's no need to talk about legacy. Okay. 
Makes sense. I'm crossing, yeah. out the I'm yeah, crossing it off the program. Are, are you, out the quickly, about Ivan or are you crossing off me too. for another po- podcast guest? Uh, don't ever, don't ever go back to Corona. I don't, I don't make those decisions. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but I just this this thing of I, the only reason I brought up his legacy is because I think with him being drafted in the first round, it only helps Conzo and in terms of recruiting for the next couple of years to come, and I think. If I'm a recruit, I'm looking at this going, how, what did he do? How will my career get better if I were to come to Cal? And how, if, I think how he pans out in the NBA also just helps us in terms of our recruiting for basketball, right? I, you know, you look at the, I don't know, I don't know recruits well enough, but I look at the football side of it and go, you look at the guys like the Aaron Rodgers and things like that. Granted, the, the coaches change, the system's different. But I'm sure you go downstairs, and we've been downstairs to that the, the NFL uh, little yeah. poster downstairs. And, you know, I'm sure when recruits come in, you go, there's Aaron Rodgers, there's there's Alex Mack, there's Schwenke, there's, there's Deshaun there's Jackson, there's, Jackson, there's, there's Marshawn Lynch, Lynch. Even though like, he's retired now. Exactly, right? exactly. And I think Jalen, I think, is in that semi-mold as of right now when basketball recruits come in you you point to the, the Jalen Brown you know yeah. Ivan uh, Jason Kidd Kevin Johnson yeah you know Nick those Harris. guys yeah <laughs> Jorge Gutierrez hey uh, he's playing yeah, exactly they're in the playoffs right now Alan Crabb all right here yeah. all right here right um, now, now going back to the you know Nike Under Armour whatever to me that shouldn't have an impact on a recruit what you're talking about there, that guys who are playing in the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball, that should have an impact on a recruit, I would think. Mm-hmm. I mean, if particularly, if particularly for want of a better term, a high-end recruit, yeah. if you see such and such is playing in the NBA or such yeah. and such is playing in the NFL, mm-hmm. that, that uh, ought to have some impact. I hadn't even thought about baseball in that regard. You see guys like Tyson Ross and Alan Craig succeeding coming yeah. from over there. And Simeon. Yeah, Simeon. Simeon. Yeah, Mark Hanna. Brandon, yeah. Brandon Morrow. Yeah, Brandon Morrow, Morrow as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, you go back a few years. If you can go back to Xavier Nady, you yeah. can go back to Tyler Walker, you can go back to Jeff Kent. That's the That's big right. one. Yeah, the Jeff Kent's the big one. Yeah. So, I mean, right. So, I think when you see those photos in the clubhouse or the locker room or on the walls or wherever, the, yeah. Yeah, that, that should have some kind like of impact. The Jeff Kent sponsored batting cages yeah. over there. Doesn't hurt. The having season. these guys come back in, too, is the big part. That nothing hurts. That, that should help as well, right? And I think it's two-way street, too. Not only does that help get recruits, but I think if you have your alumni come back, they feel connected yeah. to, the, to the program, to the university, and they're going to be more inclined to help you recruit, exactly. to, to help be, uh, you know, a standard bearer for the program, for the university. Yeah, and that's the long-standing problem with Aaron Rodgers. But we could go a whole long segment yeah. on that, so I'm not going to get into okay, that. Okay, don't get into that. <laughs> All right, uh, so we'll have to replace Jalen. That'll be done. The coaching staff is probably already working on it. I don't think that's something that we need to worry about, but it is, it is something that we do need to keep an eye out for. Um, and then moving on from Jalen, Ivan... Uh, he went silent until Sunday, um, and he he actually didn't even tweet. He didn't Instagram. He did nothing, and then all of a sudden, just a, an email and an alert uh, from the Cal Athletics Department that he's staying, and a little statement from Conzo that he was staying um, at around 9 p.m. on Sunday night, which was the deadline for the NBA draft. Uh, so, I mean, this is, I think. Both of us know this is this is Ivan. This is so Ivan to not not say anything. Like it was just he just 
I don't I don't need to have the fanfare and have a press conference to say that I'm coming back. I'm just gonna keep my head down, just keep working, just be with the team. Um, that's just that's his that's just his personality too. I think, and it, it fully showed. And I'm happy. I'm so happy that he's coming back. Um, I think the basketball team next year definitely would have struggled a lot had we not had at least one of them stay. Um, and I think that's fair. Yeah, and the continuity of the team, I think, just definitely helps. And plus, you know, I go back to recruiting all the time. Him being on the team when this huge group of 2017 recruits that we're going after comes in and you have Ivan there to kind of whisper in their ear, hey, this is the place for you guys to come, I mm-hmm. I think it's, it's only going to get better for just the upward trend that this program is in. As someone who's in the media and someone who went to Cal – what I can say, but I've been not saying anything, basically, more power to him. I, I yeah. respect that yeah. a lot. I don't know the young man at all, uh-huh. but just from what people talk, talking to people who do know him and just that, you're absolutely right. If, you're, if he's not going to the NBA, there's really no reason for him to, to make a statement. Now, most guys would, and, and, and no, no aspersions there, but I think it's, it's a tribute to him that he didn't. I think it shows that he's focused on other things. And, you know, I, it'd be disingenuous to say he probably didn't consider going yeah, to the of NBA. Course. Of, course, yeah. of course he did. But the fact that he decided to stay, there's no reason to have a news conference for that if, if you're going to stay as a student athlete. And he is, so more power to him. Yeah, yeah. and he's a, he's a top 15 pick by pretty much every single service. And deciding to stay is he was the highest rated person to stay in school this year. So it... I mean, he's a 61% shooter, so you're getting that back. You're, with another year of development, he'll put on maybe like 10, 10 pounds more muscle, get better inside, work on his jump shot, which is really the only hole in his game right now. I'd say, the again, I saw him play only once in person last season because of other commitments, but I saw him play on TV a lot. The other thing I think that, that another year will help him he took. He got into foul trouble sometimes, yeah. and and took fouls that he didn't need to take. Yeah. Um, I think a year, one more year experience, he'll be on the floor more often. I mean, when Ivan was on the floor, Cal was really good. Oh, yeah. One yeah. of the problems was that he got into foul trouble. I think another year of experience, he won't make some fouls he didn't have to make this past season. Yeah, and we uh, we saw the development of uh, Cameron Rooks a lot in the defensive department this right. year, and he. He had some bad fouls, too, but a lot less than his first year. And just if Ivan can have that development from year to year, and, I mean, they're a little different. Rooks is a much, like, sturdier player, so to speak, even though he lost 40 pounds or something like that. But if he can continue to have that development with his coaching staff, and I'm pretty sure we still have the coaches who coach the uh, uh, power forwards and centers, so he'll be able to just turn away from picking up so many fouls. Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, Ivan averaged 12.5 points per game and 8.6 rebounds, and he had 12.5 points per game. And if you look at generally between him and Jalen, he took about half the shots that Jalen took in terms of field goals attempted. Right. If that efficiency stays, I mean, this kid could average easily like an easy 22 and, and 12 um, if he were to stay on the court for yeah. that long. 
22 and 12 might be a little maybe if you still you still got your bar bird go 20 that and is 10. true. I mean you 20 can, and 10, yeah. I, I even I mean if you got a 16 and 10 yeah. and you've got Bird and Matthews still scoring from the outside, you're still I mean he definitely should increase his yeah. scoring, but yeah. I don't know that you're going to increase it quite that much. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have to find someone to replace uh, Wallace and Brown's output though and I mean, Matthews will definitely pick up It'll a lot of that because he's added to his game a bunch. I think Bird, Bird goes up as well, too. And Singer will probably get to maybe 7 or 8 up from 3.7. <laughs> but he's a pass-first guy all yeah, the way. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, we'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting year. Yeah. I mean, for me, when people have asked me, why do you think Ivan's staying or whatnot, I, the biggest reason I give them is I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not in Ivan's case. But from the games I've watched this year and – the, probably the the biggest thing for my takeaway was he played guys like Jakob uh, at Utah. He Pertle. 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 Uh, he played guys like uh, Tony Parker at UCLA. Guys that are physically and height-wise around the same, but in terms of the build, uh, the, the weight class, it's just totally different. And I think him banging around with those guys all year long gave him a sense of I could. I mean, you saw what Jakob went from freshman year to sophomore year, and he still stayed that high of a pick. And I granted, I'm pretty sure that wasn't even in his thought process. But I'm looking at it from that point: is if he can build on his just his body type a little bit more and get a little more solid build, so he doesn't get pushed he around get a lot. Beat up by Ryan. Anderson. Yeah, I mean, he's grabbing rebounds left and right. His gra- rebounding instincts is off the charts. But if he can build his body a little more, eh, maybe even better. Okay, there's one other thing, too, to consider. Maybe he wanted to stay in school because he wanted to go to school, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I think I mean, he actually likes being a college student. Yeah, right. He right. loves so being a college student. He's still student. close to his mom, too. So. Well, That's, all of yeah. that. So it might, it might not be solely basketball for basketball reason. yeah. reasons. I mean, they're probably school-related, family-related. That's, again, going back to, you know, who knows exactly why guys yeah. make decisions. But, you know, um, it certainly wouldn't be surprising that, you know, one of the reasons he wanted to stay in school because he wanted to stay in school. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I mean, you see him. You see the videos of him uh, just on Vine and things like that of Coach Nicodemus. Like they're playing, uh, the team's playing sand volleyball. The play, team's learning how to play tennis from the women's tennis team. And Ivan genuinely looks like he's having fun in every yeah. single one of those. Which is you have good teachers with the women's tennis team. They, I think they're still tops in the country. They right? are. They are. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess we kind of hit upon the expectations of him next season, right? As all his numbers are yeah. most likely going to go up. Um, and we'll see a lot more, in terms of usage and ball touches, probably a lot higher as I would well. think he would definitely get more touches next year. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. I mean, you have to, I think with the roster you have, my perspective is you run the inside-outside game. You don't, I, and you run a slight pick and roll with Ivan and Sam. Yeah. And that's, you run that, him playing from the high post. And yeah. You have an offense. <laughs> figuring out how to make those uh, passes out of the double team. Yeah. He, he got a lot of those, and mm-hmm. he was starting to get the passes down at the end of the yeah. year. But. Yeah. And we'll talk about more as the offseason comes to a close and we start in heading into the, the actual real thick of things. And once we have our roster and team actually set, mm-hmm. since we don't have that last scholarship filled. Uh, but on to some baseball talk. Uh, since we're here with Steve, we talk a little more baseball. Uh, so the Bears, oh, did not have a good week. They got swept by Arizona 3-0, then 8-5 in 13 innings, and then 7-6. That was a very tough game. Both of the last two games were really tough for, oh, for Cal to take. That 8-5 the game, I, I, uh, I remember I, I checked when the game started, and then I said, okay, I'll check about an hour later. And then I said, oh, okay, all right, it's, it's all right. It's, it's not that bad. And then another hour later, oh, it's, it's still doable. 
And then I kept doing that, and then I looked at the clock, and it was midnight, and the game was still going. <laughs> I'll tell you, that was a, that actually was a very special day and night because um, it was the Bob Milano night. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys know Bob was the head coach at Cal for 22 years. Um, in fact, was the head coach, the last head coach before David Esker. So there was a nice uh, reception beforehand. Mm-hmm. There was the establishment of the Bob Milano scholarship that night. Um, Bob and his family and some of his former assistant coaches honored before the game so that that in and of itself so I was at the game that night and uh, I stayed there for 12 innings after and then uh, was driving back across the bay in the 13th when Arizona had the three-run homer to take the lead that that was one of the I mean if you didn't care about Cal or Arizona and just were a baseball fan, it's a that, great game. It was an unbelievable game, and there was there were so many plot twists. Cal not only had one, but two guys called out for interference, wow. including never what, happens. What, the looked, off. what looked like it was going to be a game-winning squeeze bunt uh, by Brian Selsey. Um, laid down a nice bunt, and the players come on the field. They think they've won the game. I believe at that point it went in six to five. Yeah, and the umpire. Perhaps it looked like accurately called Celsi out for stepping on the plate. There had been a play in the eighth inning where Robbie Tanerowitz were running the second base, and this, to me, did not seem like the right call. He threw up his hand as the, as the shortstop was making a play on a ball that was hit, I believe, by Mitchell Cranson. But the shortstop was almost out in, in short center field. There was no way, whether uh, Tanerowitz threw up his hand or not, that that would be called interference. But... The shortstop threw the ball away at first, so Cal was going to have probably runners at second and third with two outs in the eighth inning down a run at that point. Um, the umpire called called Ternerowitz out for interference, so you don't see that very often. Cal did score. Cal was down one run in the ninth, scored, I believe, on a Ternerowitz single. Cal was down to its last out in the 11th down a run. Ternerowitz hits a home run off Bobby Dalbeck, who's one of the best pitchers in the league. Wow. So it, it, was, it was an amazing game. Except if you're a Cal fan, it didn't end amazingly. No, it did not. It definitely did not. Yeah, but I'm fairly certain we have a long history of seeing officials do things that. Now, don't get don't get to that <laughs> mindset. I know that, that that is a mindset yeah. that I know that certain Cal fans have. Yep. And it's it's a it's wrong and b it's self fulfilling. Because every school, every, you know, That's a good the, point. every school is going to be upset with officials. Every school, except say UCLA in the John Wooden era, is going to end its season <laughs> on a loss, unless you or, or you don't make the tournament. So yeah. there are a lot of Cal people who, you know, woe is us, we can't ever get anything right, or the officials are against us. That's not that's not the attitude I to have. I grew up with a bunch of them. <laughs> that's not the attitude to have. I mean, the, the, what you just mentioned, the, the women's tennis team is number one in the country, right? Yep. Yeah. The baseball team has been ranked, and it's not ranked this week, it's been ranked in the top 25 all season. The basketball team got a, four, got a four seed in the NCAA tournament. And the rugby team's going to the national championship. The rugby team's going to the national championship. I mean, there, you can go back through any number of Cal sports, any number of years, and you're going to find a lot of success. You're going to find failure, but that's, that's what sports are about. Yeah. I mean, you don't. Not, every team doesn't win. You have wins and losses. Yes, and you have good refs, and you have good umps, and you have bad refs, and you have bad umps. And you have Mike and, Greenstein. Like I say, I mean, just, <laughs> just going, just going back to the game Saturday night. I thought the call against Tenerowitz at second base was a bad call, but the call against Celsi was a good call. So you take the good with the bad. Yeah. 
bounces out eventually. I believe they're playing Washington this playing weekend. Playing Washington this weekend. Play, okay. Probably after this, after this podcast, where they're playing Cal Poly in a yeah. non-conference game Tuesday night, and they have three against Washington. The, the, the Pac-11, because Colorado doesn't play baseball, is unbelievably tight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Utah, which has a losing overall record, and Washington are 9-6, and six, and they lead the conference. And I believe Washington State is not doing well, maybe like uh, – Six or five and ten or something like that, but almost everybody else is around five hundred. Cal is one of those teams at nine and nine. So as disappointing as the past couple of weekends have been for Cal, um, I believe gone from seven and two to nine and nine in mm-hmm. conference. Nine and nine is still not by any means out of contention. No, out of no. To, to but but the Bears need to turn things around fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm thinking I'm going to go to that Saturday game. It's gonna. It's been intriguing. I haven't had the chance to go to one of these yet, but honestly, we'll still see. Uh, I mean, Jeffries is out for another couple of weeks. Ryan, and Mason. that certainly is one of the reasons why Cal has struggled. Mm-hmm. Is Dalton Jeffries Just not for, having your ace, and then your second best pitcher for a while. Yeah, Mason. Uh, Mason missed last weekend, but I mean, Dalton Jeffries. I mean, you, you hate to say you throw him out in the mound, you're going to win. But I mean, you'd like to say that pretty much. Pretty much, it certainly <laughs> helps. <laughs> um, and to miss him the past couple of weeks is that's certainly one of the reasons why the Bears have struggled. Missing Ryan Mason last week um, didn't help. I yeah. believe Mason is supposed to be back this week. Yeah, that's the what that's what they um, said. But 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 Jeffries is still at least a couple of weeks away. I understand. Yeah, um, and then our bats have cooled down significantly from the beginning of the season as well. Right, which... and and those things. That's going to happen. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the old thing that... Um, Regression you know, to the meat. That, well, not only that, but any team. You look at you know, the Giants, if you look at them, their first week, they, I mean, they were putting up yeah. runs left and right. Yeah. Then they went through a stretch recently where they really couldn't score. Yeah. Hitting kind of comes and goes. Pitching usually doesn't. Yeah, pitching usually is, is the easy, is, consistent. It's much, much more consistent than, than hitting is. It's the Oakland A's conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, if you look at Cal, I mean, some guys have... have Tailed offensively, but it, I mean, we mentioned Robbie Tanera, which he's hitting the ball great lately. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, his hitting has really improved. He's maybe one of the, the best hitters in, on the team the past two or three weeks. So, I mean, the hitting, you'd like to see it as good as it was earlier in the season, but that might be a little bit too optimistic. But, the, you know, the Bears still scored. I mean, they scored five runs uh, on Saturday, which usually is enough to win. And the six, six runs. runs on Sunday is usually enough to win. They got five against Stanford, and they won that one. And they so. won five to two, right? So, the offense isn't isn't in that dire straits. I don't think. I think they they could use a little bit more help offensively, and they could certainly use maybe one more pitcher to to fill the void of Dalton Jeffries and or uh, Ryan, Ryan Mason. Mason. Yeah. I mean, going into this season, I mean, a lot of us were looking at this baseball team with this. They're going to be good. Which, Absolutely. And which they have been. They've been amazing. I mean, but it's such a long season. You're going to have, you're going to have just some slumps. And we're hitting it right, right in the middle of the season. And, uh, but as, as soon as we get Jeffries back and one of our bats start to get a little hotter, we, I mean, we start swinging back up going into the World Series and the regionals. So, yeah. oh boy. This is uh this will this will be another fun couple of weeks. To I mean, right? I mean, the, the, the season somewhat. I mean, two or three weeks ago, you wouldn't even consider this. I mean, Cal was at, was at least going to be a regional team, perhaps even a regional host. But yeah. the past three weeks have put kind of that in the balance. It's yeah. no, there's no guarantees now, and there's no guarantees that Cal can't come back can't up, come back up, and and, and he really win the conference. But there's no guarantee that this 
this slump is going to change. I mean, yeah. the players have to do it themselves. They're right now. Right now, if the season were to end today, and as they say, that would surprise a lot of people that the season ended in April. Yeah. Cal, Cal still would probably be a regional team. It would not be a regional host. Yeah. But, you know, again, Cal certain there's still enough time in the season for Cal to do everything it thought it could do, but there's still enough time for things to go south, too. So this is the next couple of weeks are pretty critical for the Bears. Just have three weeks left, I think. Yeah. So there's a little more, more than that. Yeah. Three and, and a half, half, four. Yeah. There's a little more than that. There's just about a month left. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that'll be good. So I guess uh, another part of this baseball thing we wanted to ask you, since you know you, you covered the Giants, you covered the A's a little bit, uh, we're not that good at analyzing uh, baseball. Granted, I played for two years, and I still can't analyze baseball. I just can watch. Uh, played for two years at Cal? No, 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 <laughs> no. High school, and our team went winless. So Yeah, so. I, I stopped at uh, <laughs> second grade, so we're not so going anything we, fast. Well, I, I, did, I did play in high school, but I can tell you this without trying to – you know, be boasting or anything. I didn't have a lot of power, but I made up for it with a lack of speed. That's great. <laughs> so you made that's, up that's for it in guile. <laughs> I didn't have much of an arm either, other than that. But anyway. Uh, we wanted to ask you uh, about Dalton Jeffries. I mean, that's the hot name we're all, that everyone's talking about when you talk about the Cal baseball team. Uh, who's, who's the one name you got to know? Everyone says Dalton Jeffries. And everyone's looking at him, going, "He is a pro prospect." He no is, question. No, no question. Um, the only, the only question right now has been would be his health. health. Exactly. He sat out a month last year with an arm problem, and you know he's got an injury now that's that's holding him out. When he's on the mound, he's really good, and and he doesn't look that imposing. He's not a big kid, but boy, he's really. Uh, I like he's poised on the mound. He throws harder than than you would think for a kid his size. Um, you look at his numbers; they're really good. You look at what he did as a freshman when one when Cal wasn't that good, and I don't know that he was expected to do that much as a freshman. Um, yeah, if he's healthy, he's he's a very high round pick. Um, the only question again would be his health, and you know I'm not a scout; I can't tell you exactly where in the pecking order he would be, but I can tell you, having seen him pitch enough, he's really good when he's healthy. Would you say uh, just because uh, we had a we had a we had a semi ace in the hole last season who's not no longer with the team in Lucas Herseg? Right, that hurt. That definitely hurt both um, offensively and and from the mound. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the pitching prospect, would, who if you were to place if you were to give a ranking between the two of them, who would you have higher ranked as a major league pitcher or as a pro prospect? I would say that's a very good question between Herseg and Dalton Jeffries. Mm-hmm. Well, because Urseg plays third base, he didn't pitch that That's much. That's right. Yeah, he did. He probably, you know, just in terms of an arm, if you watched his throws from third base to first base, you didn't have to watch him. You could hear him. He gunned they it. Were, they, were go- fire <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were going across the diamond pretty fast and loud. So, again, not having seen him pitch enough, it's hard for me to make that distinction. Mm-hmm. He might be considered a better prospect because he can play third third position base. as well, and he's, he's got a lot of power as a hitter. Um, just as a if it were just as a pitcher, I'd probably go with Jeffrey just because he's done it so much. But again, sometimes scouts, you know, it's the it's the money ball question. Yeah. Do you do you go on performance or do you go on projection? What you project the performance to be once you get into the minors and hopefully the majors. And the projection, I mean, Lucas Urseg throwing the ball as hard as he does from the mound the few times he was on the mound and from third base to first, he's got a heck of an arm. So some scouts, some guys who know baseball much better than I might project him higher. But just in terms of production and what you see right now, you go with Jeffries because he's been a pitcher much more much more often than Ursag has. Yeah, I just 
this is kind of throwing it out there, but would would you see Jeffries as more of a starting pitcher as opposed to Ursig, who you see with this live arm, who he'd be more of a relief pitcher a la Sean Doolittle, who was a converted first baseman? Not necessarily. Um, I mean, Ursig, when he did pitch last year, was the closer. Yeah, he was. Um, and he was a him, good and he, closer. And he was a very good closer. I mean, he threw the ball hard. But, you know, again, a lot of, time, a lot of times – Pitchers who are starters in college become relievers. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't go the other way that often, but it can. I mean, particularly because Ursay hasn't pitched that much, period. It wouldn't completely surprise me to see him get drafted and some teams say, you know what, we want you as a starter. I wouldn't, you know, he hasn't done it that much, but that doesn't mean he can't do it. If anything, he has less... Uh, Wear and tear in his arm. Yeah. Right, right. There, there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't have any more questions. Do you have any more questions for? Ah, I got nothing. I'm... That's a, the a story of my life. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, just to just to wrap up uh, here with Steve, uh, we were just talking before the show of how you taught a a one night class uh, about the history of Cal football. Yeah, it was a um, lot of fun. I did it uh, in November of 2013 with Fred Bassana, who was a quarterback. At Cal, just before I got to Cal, he was quarterback in the mid '70s. He was a quarterback with Joe Roth. Mm-hmm. In fact, Fred um, had some very poignant stories about Joe. Yeah, I saw him in the uh, Joe Roth documentary. Yeah, Fred is a great guy, and he um, was roommates with Joe. And I mean, those guys competed for a job, but they were still really good friends. Mm-hmm. And so Fred was with me in November of 2013, and October of 2014 did a, another class with Dave Barr, um, another quarterback. Another quarterback. A little more recent. Dave was in the early '90s. A very good, very good player. Um, I believe hurt his thumb, uh, or that was Pat, Pat Barnes. But Dave, Dave got hurt toward the end of his maybe his shoulder toward the end of his uh, senior year. Didn't quite have that's the senior year that people expected. But anyway, Dave was with me, uh, and in fact that that second class, one of the kids in the class was Jared Goff. Was one of the few times that actually the only time I, I met Jared. Um, and he and to Jared's credit too, um, we did kind of a PowerPoint thing through the through the years, the 20s, the 30s. When we got to today, that was October of 14. Was after it was it was the Monday after the Washington State game that Cal had won what 60 to 59. Oh, the, mm-hmm. two, and the two kickoff returns. The two kickoff returns by Davis. And, and he missed 19 yard field goal. <laughs> that got a special teams coach fired. There you yeah. go. <laughs> anyway, Jared's. So there was stuff up on the screen and talking about very him. positively about about Jared and the team, and I could almost see Jared squ- squirming that he didn't want the attention. Um, which and then he came down afterwards to talk to Dave. Not only did they have the connection of being Cal quarterbacks, they also wore the same number. In fact, Dave said it was it was nice seeing a lot of his jerseys being sold and being worn. <laughs> they didn't think people remembered twenty five years later, but yeah, they did. They liked wearing that number sixteen. Yeah, same with uh, Brian Van Meter or something like that. Just getting all those obscure guys with the number sixteen out there. There you go. I think Justin Moy wore it for a while. Ah, oh, man, there's a lot of guys. So since you taught that class, yes, and since this is this is uh, I'm asking you as a Cal fan. Not 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 Steve for the Chronicle or writing about Cal, just as a Cal alum and a Cal fan. Do you like the trajectory in which this football team is going? I know I, I tried to ask this to all the old blues just because, you know, they've seen the— How come you, uh, you accented the old on that? I mean, that's, that's all I heard was you the old guy. But anyway, go ahead. Selective here. <laughs> um, I've still got it, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, 
how do you, I, I always ask this because I just want to know their take because I became a Cal fan in 07 when I first got to Cal. And I, I did not know, you know, the years before Tedford. Um, and I, the season I was there was Tedford's pinnacle year where we were number two in the country for... Well, it probably wasn't the pinnacle year because it went down. It that is true. It, that it was a pinnacle. pinnacle at a very specific the, the yeah, pinnacle, at, a, at a very specific time. Right. The <laughs> pinnacle year probably would have been the year before 2006. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's all I have seen as a Cal fan. Trace here has seen a lot more than I have. Um, and we've talked about this all the time. But with, your, with, with the history and the class that you, you uh, taught with... Is the trajectory a good trajectory in, in where we're going with Dykes and how this program has evolved over the last three or four years? Well, you certainly would think, I mean, both, I'm not telling you guys anything that you don't know, but both on the field and Off in the, the classroom field, yeah. three or four years ago was not very good, period. Yeah. Um, so if you look at the progress the program has made over the past two seasons, hey, no, nothing but kudos. I mean, I, I would say, obviously, this year becomes kind of a – what happens next year because you don't have Jared Goff. You don't have all those receivers. You'd like to think there's enough in the pipeline and the program is now stabilized enough that maybe if you, maybe you don't win eight games next, this coming season. Maybe you win five or six or whatever. But, but you still have a base of you're going you're gonna to not be – you're not going to have the horrible seasons of 2012 and 2013 <sighs> – those are gone. You might have you might have to endure a three and nine or a four and eight. You know, it's not it's not a top ten, top twenty program at the moment. It's just not. So you might have to you might have to accept that. And I think Cal fans will. Um, but you also don't want. You saw what the uh, the APR numbers were. That's great, and that, that that has to make that has to matter not only to the athletic department and to the players themselves. It has to matter to fans. That that can't be not a consideration. It is a consideration. So all, on those things, I would say it certainly seems that it's trending in the right direction. But, I mean, you'd like to think you'll see another at least eight-win season within the next two or three. I think that's, I think that's fair as a fan, as yeah. someone in the media, to consider that maybe it's not going to be – you know, and maybe it will. I'm not, I'm, but yeah. maybe it won't be 2016, but 2017 or 2018, you'd like to think that, you know, you shouldn't – that eight wins shouldn't be out of the question at all. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's perfect, to be honest. That probably just hits it just perfectly. I don't, I don't hear that very often. <laughs> we like to be positive here. We're good. So we do. Nothing wrong with positive. I always say that it's, it's good to be a realistic, a realistic optimist or an optimistic realist. Yeah, those, those sound good. Yeah, so. you don't want to be too far, uh, too far one way or the other. But if you can be an optimistic realist or a realistic optimist... You hear the negative enough. Yes, exactly. You don't really want to go down that path. No, that's too easy, and and self fulfilling. Yeah, <laughs> or self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, and just to end today, we have two questions from fans. Okay. Uh, from our listeners, uh, the first one is uh, from Chris. Chris Perry. He uh, emails us and he asks: uh, NBA training camp opens in late September, then the regular season ends in mid-April. Playoff teams are active for an additional two to eight week, two to eight or nine weeks, as late as the second week of June. Considering that and Berkeley's academic calendar, how does Jalen Brown graduate as quickly as possible? He doesn't go to school next year. He takes summer classes and he does stuff online. Yeah, I mean, by graduate as quickly as possible, I'm I'm 99% sure he doesn't mean within his career playing days. Uh, like guys like Sharif came back and finished it after he had finished playing. Um, and I'm granted, that's not to say he probably he yeah. might not be able to. Uh, if, 
He's going to be probably drafted by a team that won't make the playoffs, um, so he'll have a little bit more time on his Yeah, hands. I mean, look, the NBA is, is a full-time commitment, and yeah. it's, a, it's a commitment that almost any of us would love to have. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that he says he's going to graduate is a, is a really good sign, and whatever it takes, whether it takes five years, 10 years, mm-hmm. 20 years, if he gets his degree, that's great. And yeah. I, I don't think you want to put a time frame no. on it. There's no, there's no reason to. No. Yeah, as long as he doesn't pull a Vince Carter and a – skip practice during the playoffs to go to his graduation, I think he'll be fine. <laughs> you know what? I think, I think you're being a little harsh on Vince Carter. If, I, if, if you were graduating, I mean, it, it's a game or one thing, but it, to miss, it, listen, it, it, how many times, how many practices has Vince Carter had in the NBA, even in NBA playoffs? How many times are you going to graduate from the University of North Carolina? Well, Once. I, I, well, they I also lost the game, so I think that's why people remember it. Uh, how many times <laughs> if you know let's go to the 2028 NBA playoffs and Jalen Brown is playing for your San Francisco Warriors at the time and you know they've got practice in May for the Western Conference Finals game two on Saturday but he's got he's going back to get his degree at Memorial Stadium yeah. I would have no, I would have no qualms at all. In fact, I would think it the other way. I'd, I'd be more upset if he didn't go to the graduation. <laughs> and he's playing the Alaska Drillheads in the uh, Western Conference Finals. You never know. <laughs> oh, and then uh, another set of questions from our dear friend Nathan Miyasaki. He always sends questions. I love yeah. it. I love it. Very uh, nice guy. Uh, we've been going through this uh, this whole segment of what ifs, and he asks us another what if question. Okay. What if Tosh Lupoy didn't leave Cal for Washington to host parties on oh, a shiny God, new boat? What would the season and future of the program have looked if we kept him and the recruits tied to him? Does the program improve or does nothing change? Looking back, would we have even wanted those recruits? We'd be under sanctions right now. <laughs> Pretty much. I'm, I'm just I'm going to avoid this question. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll answer the last question, though. Would we have wanted those recruits? We would have definitely liked to have Shaq Thompson. I would, I'll say that. At well, the very least... At the very least, Mr. Shaq Thompson would have been a great Cal football player. We don't get the same Jared Goff, though. No, we probably wouldn't. Because I don't think he plays immediately under Tedford. I think we could go with Klein that year. Yeah. Just because he fit that system better. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only part I'll answer for this question is Shaq Thompson would have been one hell of a linebacker. Shaq Thompson can play. I will will echo that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then another one, uh, he asks, uh, Tedford, <laughs> I love the last question, but I, I will, I'll leave that for the very end. Uh, Tedford was fired for a program that had a few losing seasons and a low APR. Does he still get fired if he had a few losing seasons but keeps the APR high? Would he have gotten fired for multiple 9-10 win seasons but a low APR? Do we as fans only want a program that is both high APR and a lot of wins, or would we be fine with having one and not the other? That's, that's a really good question. That is a very good question. And, it's, and it kind of goes at the heart of what it means to be a fan, particularly a fan yeah. of a university. Yeah. And a university that's trying to do things the right, that you're trying to do things the right way. Um, I mean, I, again, not knowing the specifics of why Jeff was fired, but probably it's a, it was a combination. It was a I bit mean, of both. Right, it was a bit of both. Now, you know, as the, your buddy questions, if... if he had the same APRs with 10 win seasons. Would he have gotten fired? Probably not. It's quite a question. Or the flip side, if he had really good APRs and had the, the last two seasons that he had. That, I, I think this, if he had really good APRs, that might have gotten him one more year. Yeah. That might have gotten him one more year. But, but I think the basic point is, as much as, 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 much as fans like to think you know, that, they're, that they have 
a wide focus, to focus not beyond the field, that they want yeah. kids to do well in the classroom. They do. That's the, that is the sense. But but is that what you discuss? At, at, was that what you discuss when you're in the stands or when you're at uh, at a party after? No, you're discussing what happened on the field. Sad but true. But most people, the bottom line are wins and losses. Yeah, that's which, what makes money in the TV deals. That's it's sad. So which so in in a best of both worlds, you get the best of both worlds. But in a realistic world, the realistic optimist is you got to say, you know what. We've got to do well in both. Can we, can we be great in both? You can be, but that's really tough. It's really hard. But, but can you be at least good in both? If you're at Cal, you ought to be good in both. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. And as a fan, that's something that you ought to expect, yep. that, that, that the players are good in the classroom and they're good on the field, and you hope they're great in the classroom and you hope they're great on the field. Yeah. I mean, people people ask all the time, why don't we go after all the five star recruits that guys like Alabama or SC or Notre Dame or those guys go after? Yeah, high admission standards. Exactly. That's one. Them. Yeah. That's one. That's that's, that's one. That's reason. one part. So I always tell them the recruiting, the way you recruit. I think at Cal, I've learned over um, writing for Golden Blogs and doing my research for these. It's it's a lot different from some of the other just powerhouse football schools because you want guys that hold the academic standard of the university the same way and perform on the football field. Right. And you, you recruit both those guys. And sometimes there's five-star guys and things like that and guys and prospects that just only fit one side of that bill and you just can't go after them. It just, that's just how it, that's just how it works. And I'm fine with that um, okay. just because you hold the university to a higher standard and you keep it that way. So that was a really good question. I actually really like that question. The last question from Nathan is, <laughs> how long is it before we start pulling kids off the street to play linebacker? <laughs> wow. Believe it or not, I think I still have a year of eligibility. Uh, yeah, no, that's, I mean, going back to the Hardy Nickerson, I mean, again, I have yeah. no qualms at all. It's, it's great that's for fine. him, it's great for the yeah. family. But that, that is a realistic question. I mean, you hope either recruiting or you move some guy who wasn't necessarily a linebacker uh, yeah. Three or four weeks ago, and now, hey, you're a linebacker which, because which we did with uh, Deron Brown, right? Yeah, who's a safety moving down from safety to right. outside mm-hmm. linebacker. Might have to do that with somebody else because yeah, there there is there seems to be a lack. Yeah, right now, linebacker. right now, I think if the numbers, if we counted, including Darren Brown, we have five, five or six, six scholarship guys who actually play linebacker. Probably five guys who actually played linebacker, and then Darren Brown, who's yeah. the the. the Switch, train. Yeah, transfer. I can't think of too many at yeah. this point. That's yeah. not good. Um, but we do have two coming in. We do have uh, Cameron Goody. Yeah, and, and uh, Jordan, Jordan. Can't pronounce his last name. Kanazic. There you Kanizic. go. Kanazic. Um, so, two freshmen. So I don't know how the depth chart will play out, but we'll be playing a lot of nickel. I, I will say this: uh, yeah. we played that a lot this year. We will be playing a lot of nickel next year too. Well, in in the Pac-12, and in, in fact, in most college football. Uh, Conferences these days, yeah. that's the way to go with yeah. the with the spread offenses that, that teams are running. There's only one team that we'll face that doesn't play a spread offense, and that's Stanford. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, and we'll just need to pack like put like six linemen down. We'll need someone to take out McCaffrey before the game. Starts. Easy, easy, <laughs> easy. You know. Hey, I I do. I saw the thing. Um, what's it uh, from the Stanford spring game? I did not watch the spring game, but afterwards, apparently McCaffrey was there. I think he said that they, that the report said he sat there for like an hour and a half signing autographs. So that's 
He's a good guy. I'll say he's a nice, nice guy. He nice can play guy. too. He I'm, can just gonna root, I'm just going to root against him. <laughs> yeah, um, that wraps it up for us here. Yeah, um, we are done here in San Francisco. That yeah. is, this is our first remote podcast that we've ever done outside of Emeryville. Well, I'm honored. Yeah, well, honored. second, but first in a place that wasn't either of our homes. That's true. This is true. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you, Steve, for inviting us and coming on on the show. My um, pleasure. We would love to have you back uh, on the show again if you would if you would love to be back on tomorrow. <laughs> Certainly, some other time be great. <laughs> yeah, um, and that wraps it up for us. Uh, you know where to get at us um, on Twitter. Uh, where can they find you on Twitter? It's at Steve Croner SF. At Steve Croner is Steve S T E V E Croner with a K R O N E R, and SF is SF. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. So you can find all of us on Twitter. You can find our stuff on Golden Logs. You can find Steve's stuff up on San Francisco Chronicle. SFGate.com and SFChronicle.com. Yeah. And you know the written stuff. Yeah. And the actual paper. <laughs> the actual yeah, the actual, <laughs> yes, the actual paper. People still occasionally do buy newspapers. Yeah. Thank God. I have the championship editions when the Giants and the Warriors won. So That's, that's always something. It's a memorabilia thing. Right. Yeah. That, yeah, I will say, yes, when, uh, when big events happen, people still want newspapers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, uh, well, that wraps it up for us. Um, And, yep, and as always, go Bears. Go Bears. You know it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is Bear territory! You know it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is Bear territory! You know it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is Bear territory! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.